0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show.
0: Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
1: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first
0: purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
1: Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the fabulous Nick Tran with me, who is the head of global marketing for TikTok. Nick, hi and welcome.
2: Hi, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and something that I've been looking forward to, as you know, for a long time. Oh
1: my goodness, I have too. I have had so much fun with you and um, we've been threatening each other to do this for a long time. So I'm glad the day is finally here and what a way to start the year. The very first episode of CMO Moves of 2021.
2: And my first podcast ever. And I reserved that specifically for you.
1: Oh, you're so kind. I'm so honored. Um, Oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about today. And I just love all the moves that you've been making. And this move to TikTok in particular, so excited for you. So let me ask you first, why did you decide to join TikTok? And and then you have to explain what the heck is TikTok for some people who don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, TikTok, as I like to explain it, It's really an entertainment platform that's powered by the community. And in the same way that you might think about any app that you might use to watch videos or be entertained, TikTok is really there to serve that need that people have in their lives. Um, One of the things that really drew me to it is how much culture has been brought to life and originated from TikTok. That's sort of like what honestly drew me to the company overall, uh, as you've probably known since uh, even following my career for a little bit, the idea of taking marketing and culture and merging them together and creating uh, that white space where we're able to really be relevant has been something that's been fascinating to me since like my early days of marketing. And as I continue to look at the landscape and find places that really brought culture to life in a meaningful way, um, TikTok was the place that all that began. So having the opportunity to come here and lead marketing has been dream come true.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and you're right. I have been following you. And what a perfect fit for you because before this, you were at Hulu looking at both culture and marketing and did some really incredible work with Hulu as well. Do you want to talk about your career path a little bit?
2: Yeah, I was a late, late marketer, so to speak. I actually didn't get into marketing until 2011. I started my career actually in IT consulting, of all places. And I was working on a project earlier on where I was interfacing with a creative agency and we were developing a a website for a healthcare company. And I was responsible for the IT side of things. I was mapping out the the user flow and trying to figure out what the um, deliverables were going to be. And as I was meeting with this creative agency, it struck me that I was not in the field that I wanted to be in. And I wanted to be on the other side. So I actually went back to get my MBA and they got my first marketing job uh, at Taco Bell as an intern. So that's kind of where the journey all began.
1: Wow. Taco Bell, too. Okay, I was thinking of Marissa Thalberg right away when you said Taco Bell. Uh, Now she's at Lowe's. But did you guys cross paths when you were there or was that you're kind of different times
2: yeah different times i i left before she came on board but obviously a lot of the folks at taco bell impacted my career over the long haul and you know folks at the time were like brian nickel was the cmo when i was there he's now the ceo of chipotle chris brant uh became the mm-hmm. ceo after brian became ceo of taco bell and and uh, he's now also at, at chipotle and then also um my first uh like real mentor coach, Tressie Lieberman. She's a, also now at Chipotle, ironically. Um, I was just thinking all.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, they're definitely like the first um, marketing leaders that impacted and shaped my, my career earlier on.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm definitely laughing because what a small world it is. And it it sounds like an exodus of Taco Bell to Chipotle, but it's three people, but we know those three people well. So, you know, and Tressie, obviously on on our Innovators Council along with you. So we're blessed to have both of you working with us in thinking about the future of marketing. And one of the future points that we always talk about, and and we're going to talk about this later, is kind of where we started, which is marketing at the speed of culture. And I, I'm just fascinated by this. And you're such a pro at this. And as you alluded, it's one of the things that you love doing. It's something you can do at TikTok. I'm conflicted. Like, Where do we want to start around your philosophy on that? Or why TikTok? Like, I'll let you take it away from here, but let's really zero in on this because you are the master here.
2: I'll, I'll take a step back and tell you kind of what I want to do in the long run. And then it might help paint a better picture of where I've been and where uh, I'm going. When I was in my MBA program, I found that a lot of the professors who were, who were teaching the classes, they didn't have as much like practical hands-on knowledge of marketing. They definitely had a more academic slant to it. And one of the things that I told myself then was that if I could do something that I love, it would be to go back to teach marketing in, a, in an MBA program. And the, the way that I wanted to do that wasn't through getting like my PhD and then taking on like the guest lecture path. Like I, I really just wanted to see if I could do marketing hands-on on my own and prove that all the things that I've learned, I can apply to different industries and, and really showcase that to a future generation one day. So part of my thesis was I, I, don't, I didn't want to be in the same industry twice. My goal has always been to gather as much knowledge and as many case studies as I can throughout my career. Which is why if you've sort of traced my path, I I purposely avoid going to the same industry because I don't think there would be as much that I can learn there. Technically speaking, a lot of people in my past have told me that that would be career limiting and that different industries is always tough to navigate and that it would serve me better to stick within a couple industries and move up the ranks. But yeah, I've, I've been driven by something beyond just like career momentum. And it was really about this idea of gathering as many case studies as I can. So... Knowing that part of what I found in my early Taco Bell days, getting into social media and kind of moving into like the the digital world was really this acknowledgement of how much culture influences marketing and how marketing and culture shift at the speed of light. So moving from like Taco Bell and like the food and beverage industry over to Stance where it was the like apparel industry and then Samsung and then Hulu and then now TikTok, there's been several constants throughout my journey. Um, but the one thing that I've found to be like completely sort of like the red thread be- between everything is just the notion of if you can tap into an insight that resonates with the, the audience, and if it's grounded in culture that's relevant to them at that time, and you can bring your brand promise to life. So there's sort of like those three, those three elements, you really hit on something powerful and something that you can turn into a marketing campaign that'll that'll be successful overall.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember several examples coming to life when we featured you in Innovators when you were at Hulu, but you're doing so much of that right now at TikTok. So before we jump into some of those examples, I know you're, you're not only anchored in marketing at the speed of culture. I just have to say that because I just love saying it, it's so cool. Um, but you are also anchored in your own personal brand and your values. And I know you appreciated TikTok for who they were, what they stood for, and and why they matter. Do you want to talk a little bit about that connection between your brand and the TikTok brand?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I always loved the idea and why I wanted to be a teacher was because I wanted to inspire a new generation. And when you look at TikTok, like their actual mission is to inspire creativity and bring joy. And I think as a as a human like forget being a marketer as a human that's a pretty amazing like mission that you know you could really lean into and bring some of your personal feelings into the office every day and feel you know proud of the work that you're able to do so that, that's the first thing that really struck me when I was joining the company and then the second thing was I joined during the pandemic and during that time a lot of marketers and a lot of functions were a little bit less certain about the future outlook of their company or their brand. What I recognized early on was every executive meeting or leadership meeting we had in the first month that I first joined TikTok, so in, in April of 2020, the questions were never around how do we continue to increase our daily active users or like how do we you know, drive growth? The question that the CEO at the time asked the leadership team was how do we help as many people as possible. And part of that was financially. And we created this COVID relief fund. Uh, It was about $250 million globally, plus an extra $125 million for startups or smaller companies to to come back online with ad credits. So collectively it was like $375 million. And the question that was asked every day in a stand-up meeting was how come we're not deploying more money and more resources to more folks that are in need faster? like how do we enable more folks to to weather the storm during this time and how do we help local communities really become more stable and and all that during this like tumultuous time so the first month of coming into tiktok it, it hit me that this is not a typical company like they really lead with with their hearts and they are very generous and the approach is really about bringing joy to as many people as possible and that's something that i've i've always tried to do in the work that that I've done in the past. Like I've always talked about being generous with the work and the creative and trying to inspire people um, to think beyond just like what the brand is trying to sell, but like what what it means to them in their lives and how it brings value. And how do you become a brand that people can't live without? And as soon as I I stepped foot, like I'm I'm putting, I'm using air quotes because I didn't really step foot in any office yet. But um, (laughs) it, it really struck me that like TikTok lives and breathes that culture from the top down. And this is a place that I could really thrive in and do some amazing things.
1: I remember when you started, and I don't know if you remember that I remember this, but we were texting about something else, and you were like you were like driving to another state to start your new role remotely, and most of your company being in a completely different continent. And what was that like for you starting and during this time period?
2: Yeah, it's it's been pretty easy. I always say this, and some people are surprised, but my Initial role was leading marketing for the North America team, and that team is based in L.A. But in theory, I, I've never been into the the TikTok office in L.A. Um, because of the pandemic. So I've been kind of managing the team through you know Zoom and through uh, like video conferencing you know platforms and all that fun stuff. And when I stepped into the global role a month into you know my job at, at TikTok, the the ability to meet with all the different teams you know in eight different regions it's something that you you would have to do virtually like you wouldn't be able to to do that by traveling and seeing everybody um on a consistent basis so i'll be honest like the pandemic hasn't really impacted my specific role now because i i have to meet on a daily basis with so many different teams in different countries that it's almost necessary for me to have this like virtual setup I am looking forward to going into the office at some point because I hear it's amazing. And there's going to be a lot of things like brainstorms and collaboration that I think will, will benefit from being like in physical contact with different teams. But for the most part, we've been you know, able to do that in, in different ways through video conferencing. So it's been easier than I expected. And we always try to like spice it up and make it more fun because I think the big drain is that you, you definitely have like Zoom fatigue. Like that's a real thing. And people don't realize that you end up seeing the same people all the time. Whereas when you used to go into office, you'd interact with different folks. So being able to plan out moments that you can interact with cross-functional teams and even invite guests to pop into the Zooms and, and make it a little bit more exciting um, is something that I try to do on a, on a regular basis for the teams.
1: And in your case, at every time zone of the day, right? <laughs> so every different time of day.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I normally start pretty early. We'll we'll get a couple hours in with the teams in Asia, uh, which is basically like Japan, Korea, Southeast Asia. And then we will drift into like the normal day period where I'll I'll start talking to the teams in Europe, Middle East, and the Americas. And then later in the evenings, I'll I'll go back to talking to some of the, the folks in Asia just to make sure I get a little bit more time with them before I end my day. So yeah, it's definitely nuanced with the uh, different time zones, but it's, it's been pretty effective so far.
1: Well, let's talk about how effective it's been because you and your teams have done some pretty amazing work. You want to talk about it?
2: Yeah. I obviously have this belief that no one person can, can do everything and you have to lean on your teams to, to really thrive. And I I love the analogy of like all the different teams being just a a balloon that's going to lift the whole org up. And that's sort of like how I've treated each of the the different teams in the different regions. So I've been fortunate to see innovation from all the different regions within marketing. And some of my favorites, obviously, once we hit on that insight earlier on, it starts on TikTok, which is sort of our campaign theme. It opened up a whole array of different possibilities on, on how people could Interpret that and bring that to life. I think we've obviously seen trends that have sparked on the platform and how we've been able to bring that to life pretty quickly. Most people remember from 2020, the uh, Ocean Spray and Nathan Apodaca collaboration, where he, um, you know, is just longboarding down the road, listening to Fleetwood Mac and lip syncing to that while he's drinking his Ocean Spray. That's definitely like a, a moment that we love. But like looking back, There were collaborations with partners like Airbnb. We've done stuff with like Postmates. And this idea of bringing a taste of TikTok to people when they least expect it has sort of been one of the driving forces for the marketing team globally and delivering that in unique ways, you know, whether it's in the NBA finals or whether it's inside the Postmates app or when you're on Airbnb looking at different experiences, like we've definitely been able to bring a lot of that to life over the last year. And even on a, on a campaign level, being able to not only bring it starts on TikTok to life, but learn on TikTok, which is something that I don't think people realize that you're able to do on the platform, was another thing that we were very proud of and, and excited to, to see happen.
1: Yeah, and I, I so want to dive into this learn on TikTok because I'm learning through you uh, a lot. And before you do that though, there's one thing we didn't actually note up front that I, I think is interesting to note here is that at TikTok, you have two different marketing departments, right? One which is focused on brands and advertising, but one is focused on consumers. And you're really driving the consumer side of the business. Is that right?
2: Yes, that's correct. So in, in my role, it, it's basically all the communications and messaging to consumers, like the, the broader audience. We still work collaboratively with the global business marketing team. And the hope, obviously, is for us to show up as a united front and showcase like the power and the value of the brand, not only consumers, but also to other brands that might be looking to advertise on the platform. But there's definitely a distinction within the organization with those two groups. So then
1: let's dive in deeper. So as you're thinking about the consumers and those folks who are primarily using the platform, what are you seeing? What are you learning what are you enjoying?
2: Yeah, it's one of the few places that you can genuinely say is for everyone. So I don't know how much you've dove into the world of TikTok, but you can see content that's fit for all age ranges. You see content creators that are also ranging from your you know, 20-something-year-old up to grandparents in their, in their 80s or even, even older. And all all content creators that I've seen on the platform have like their unique way of expressing themselves and, and bringing content to life. So we're definitely learning, you know, how people view themselves, view the world, view other cultures or how, how they want to showcase their cultures. So when we started embarking on that, that campaign, it starts on TikTok. It was initially identifying very obvious things that you see come up from the platform, like music trends, like it, it, it wasn't lost on us that some of the top songs uh, of the year that were on uh, the Billboard 100 were all popularized on the platform, like all through the TikTok. And um, we were also able to bring back you know, songs like Fleetwood Mac is a perfect example. Not Nothing from that album had been charting in Billboard for 42 years or something like that. And then it hits one video, becomes like a, a viral sensation. And then You know, Before you know it, it's top song on Spotify and top 10 on Billboard and all that stuff. So I definitely saw the power of that. But the the areas that I was also very fascinated by were those sort of like niche areas like personal finance or like cooking or fashion or even Harry Potter TikTok. Like there's all these different worlds that I was immediately exposed to. And I realized that any passion or interest that I've ever had in my life at any point is expressed through the platform by a community of very talented and creative folks who are making content that they feel passionate about. And as soon as I got like a glimpse of what they were bringing to life, our whole goal was just to amplify and and tell the stories of of these creators. And we realized that the creators are really the heart and soul of the community. And that's what's powering like the app overall. So whatever we could do to support them, give them this platform and, and really help underrepresented and underserved voices come to the forefront of culture um, sort of became like a, a mission for us overall.
1: Yeah. You really got my head spinning in a lot of different directions. I keep thinking about all the other platforms and it's almost like this is a little bit of everything and then some, right? How do you think about it?
2: Yeah. We're often compared to social platforms, but there's nuances because you don't come to TikTok to follow the people that you know in real life, like you would in, in other platforms. And sometimes people compare us to entertainment or streaming apps, and you look at some of the ones that are um, widely used today, and it's nuanced because those are sort of long-form content destinations, and it's sort of like day-in-date tentpole viewing. But we're, we're definitely like also expanding and, and doing a lot in, in that space of entertainment. So... I don't think there's like a box that you could put TikTok in. I think we're we're sort of the white space in that intersection of entertainment and culture and social and there's all these elements that really fuel this community. But at the end of the day, when I when I think about like how do people not how do it's it's less about how people perceive us, but how do people actually use us? And it's whenever they they have a moment of their day that they want to be entertained or they want to learn something, they'll jump into the app. So that's more where I, I think about us in terms of like how we're positioned, and it's really less about being compared to some of the other uh, social contemporaries out there right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, part of what you were talking about is watching, learning, but a lot of that relates to listening. And you've been kind enough to participate in one of our collaboration teams around authentically connecting with the community which has been vital, especially in 2020 and, and how much more important that's become for so many brands. And and I, I know you've touched on it a little bit already about what you've been able to learn, but let, let's talk about social listening and why that's important.
2: Yeah, there's some things that you learn early on in your career that you just, you don't let go. And that's probably one of the first lessons that I learned uh, in my intern days at Taco Bell. There was so much that we were able to that stemmed from social listening. For example, back when I was in my first year at Taco Bell, we found a tweet that someone had shared about like this hoax that happened in the small town of Bethel, Alaska, like a town of 6,000 people. And from that tweet, we then brought to life an amazing campaign and a stunt where we airdropped a Taco Bell truck with a helicopter in the middle of town and and served like 10,000 tacos that day. It was like a, a very like bold stunt that generated a lot of headlines. And I realized early on that if you just listen to what people are, you know, looking for and you actually pay attention to some of these moments, there's more there than anything anyone can do in a room trying to strategize and develop a breakthrough campaign. So from Taco Bell to Stance, even on to like Samsung and Hulu and now TikTok, like the idea of listening to the community and really figuring out what it is that they, they value at that time is, is, has always been critical. And what I find that social listening helps you do is what they want at any given time changes. And again, like it, it changes very quickly and it's also tied to culture. So the easiest way for, for me in my role over the years to tap into culture and really be aware of what's going on has been to, you know, look at the, the social conversation. And when I say social conversation, it's not just like what people are posting or tweeting about you or the, or the company, but if you even just look at like comments and you just comb through comments for a little while, like there's a goldmine of info there that allows you to come up with really creative ways to, to bring something to life for your audience.
1: I am always amazed at the marketers who can find those nuggets, because right now we're all in data overload. (laughs) And I know that's been like the the core of the discussion is how do you sift through so much data and find the real meaning? Uh, So I'll let everybody know here, stay tuned because Nick is going to deliver a play on how to do that. Right, Nick, we're going to build one because it's going to go into the new reboot playbook that we're building. And I'm very excited to release that over the course of this year. Um, but it is key. And people struggle with, okay, there's not only a lot of data, there's a lot of different tools. How do you make the right decisions? And I have yet to talk to a marketer who doesn't use a combination of at least three different tools. So it's tough. And we'll dig into that more uh, sometime in the future. But for now, like what's your secret? If you had one nugget, like, how do you, how do you know that it's a nugget when you stumble on it or it's kind of art and science, right?
2: Yeah, it's honestly art and science. And Earlier on in my career, I, I felt that I was sort of on the pulse of knowing what was going to going to take off and, and be relevant. And I think the, the different managers that I had trusted me to be that that gauge. Um, as I continued to to move up in my career, I, I recognized more and more that, you know, it, it may not be something that I'll be able to to know or to be able to tell definitively if that's the thing that's gonna tip the scales and become relevant in culture or, you know, become that next thing. So a lot of it is trusting different folks on your team who you feel have the pulse of your brand and, and the pulse of you know your audience and trusting their opinion um, and their thoughts uh, and, and just kind of going with it. I think the, the worst thing a marketer can do is make these decisions based on like committee, because it'll get watered down. And if you, if you take everyone's input into these types of things then it's really tough to do anything breakthrough or innovative so it's it's identifying who that person is within your org that's that barometer for potential opportunities that can really break through and just like leaning in and trusting that in the same way that people trusted me throughout my career I'm definitely um, very open to trusting a, a couple of folks on my teams that that are able to do that
1: so interesting. So let's talk about leadership traits. What do you think are the most important leadership traits today then?
2: I think that the biggest one for me has been humility. I think every rising star toes that line of being sort of like the, the rising star within the company. And what I've seen over time is that those, those folks sometimes burn out sooner than they should have because they don't really understand the dynamics within a bigger organization. And when, once they, they lose sight of that like a humility aspect, it, it definitely changes things. Like one of the things that I've always done is I've always acknowledged sort of the folks that helped really guide my career and help position me in, in various ways that have helped propel me and something I did last year, actually, maybe it was two years ago. Once I had been in marketing for, I think at the time it was like eight years I actually, I I went to my my favorite artist in LA, a guy named Frank Nonfiction, creates these like really amazing pieces of of artwork. And I purchased his whole next collection, like all all eight pieces of his next collection. And I actually gifted them to the eight people that made the biggest impact in my career that I didn't report into and that didn't work within my company. And part of the reason why I did that was one, I wanted to acknowledge how impactful they were to to my career growth, but also it was, it was definitely something that I wanted to always remember that like, I wouldn't have necessarily become who I was without not only the people that are supporting you because they are paid to like your, your managers or your manager's manager, but like the people that have no real incentive to help you, but they're still there with you along the entire journey. For whatever reason, they like saw something in me that they wanted to help bring to life. And I just wanted to make sure that I remembered that by, you know, memorializing it with like a a piece of art that I was able to have made and and delivered to them. So that's definitely something that I find to be important overall for people to keep in mind no matter where you are in life and and, and where stage you are in your career.
1: I love that, Nick. That's beautiful. And I actually think... I might know one or two of those people. So I'm going to look in their houses next time I'm visiting their homes.
2: It actually, you know, the, the, I'll, I'll tell you one quick funny story. The, the, the person that no one would have ever expected that to be was actually Bobby Hundreds. So I don't know if you've heard of him, but his real name is Bobby Kim. He founded a company called The Hundreds, which is like a streetwear and apparel brand. And it's probably why people will always see me wearing some form of streetwear. But I was basically an intern earlier on in my career, and I was. Fortunate enough to be asked to do a interview, a video interview with with some media publication at South by because they were they were really excited about the work that we were doing in social media at the time, and I happened to be wearing a hundreds hat that that day. And I, I wore it on the interview, and randomly, I was walking through South by, obviously like hundreds of thousands of people, and this guy runs up to me and says, "Nick Tran, Taco Bell," and I looked at him and I was like, "Yeah," and I was a little bit like weirded out by the whole thing and he points at my hat and he points at himself and he says i'm bobby hundreds from the hundreds you're wearing my hat and you were in an interview yesterday someone tweeted me the video link and i just happened to see you walking by at south by and and at that moment like we became friends but he was the first person that i'd ever met in my career that had some like social cachet and a reputation and and I remember when I asked him, like, hey, would you be open to doing a collaboration between Taco Bell and the hundreds, which I thought he was gonna just tell me no. He was like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So we, we did like the first real like brand collaboration when fast food brands weren't really doing that thing. And we were able to do it with like a reputable streetwear brand. And even though it was like a small thing for him in the, in the long you know, run in the grand scheme of things, I always reflected on that being like my real way in, because it was at that moment that I realized how impactful culture would be to a marketing team. It also gave me instant credibility because he opened up a lot of doors for me within like the streetwear industry. And I was able to like trade that sort of cachet within that industry to actually build my career. So again, it's it's all those subtle things that you never recognize unless you like look back on your on your career that are so meaningful. And again, to take that moment and acknowledge people like the Bobbies of the world or people like the other folks that you probably have met and have done this this series with. I definitely wanted to take that moment to say like, It's been an amazing ride so far at this stage. I just wanted to like take that moment to appreciate all of them. And then, you know, hopefully I can see what happens over the next, you know, five to 10 years.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I can't wait to see what happens over the next five to 10 years. And I am so excited that we got a time finally to do this. And I know there's going to be many more things that we do together. And, and I, and you always make me laugh. I I do have to, remind you that you have an image burned in my brain from the CMO Moves West Summit. Do you know what that image is?
2: I don't know.
1: (laughs) The green, the green slippers.
2: Oh yeah. That was my Hulu days. I was wearing the Hulu has live sports slippers.
1: (laughs) It was so funny for those of you who weren't with us that day, which, oh my God, what a great day. Nick brought these slippers to the CMO Moves West Summit and these slippers got passed around and worn by, I know it sounds weird. This is pre-COVID, not, not too long before COVID, but it was pre-COVID. Even Eric Tota grabbed them and wore it on stage to moderate a session. It was, the, it was brilliant. Like that is so classic Nick now. I am always looking for those Nick touches.
2: Yeah, um, I appreciate that. And the, the cool thing with TikTok, to be completely honest, is you'll see a lot more of those touches across a lot of the stuff we do because unlike other brands I've been at, there's no guardrails for what we're able to do at TikTok. So I'm excited to, to do a lot more of that stuff at scale. So it'll be fun.
1: So on top of that, not only are you famous for slippers, but I hear you have this thing with socks. What's that about?
2: <laughs> so starting from my days at Stance, which I still to this day, think that they're the greatest socks on earth. But when I left, they gave me one of those like retail sock stands that you actually see in like a, a store. And it's it's like loaded, top to bottom, full of socks. And what I used to always do is try to provide these like small gestures, like just generous gestures to people. So whenever someone would visit me um, at the office, uh, after the meeting, I'd always, you know, casually ask them like, oh, are you into socks? And it's, it's funny how everybody's into socks. So they'd all say yes. And then I'd walk them to the socks and say like, if you want to pick out any of these socks, feel free. And they'd always freak out because be like, oh my gosh, these are stance socks. Like they're expensive. And we're talking about celebrities or athletes or folks that make, you know, way more money than than uh, the average person. But when they get free items, they were pretty stoked on it. So I'd offer them socks. They'd, they'd grab a few pairs. And it was amazing how many doors that opened because for a while I was like the sock guy or the stance guy. They would always be willing to do favors for me or do small things down the road because they'll always remember that moment when out of the blue, I, I unexpectedly gave them a, a pair of socks. So it's definitely something that I have valued where you don't realize what impact these small gestures might have. And if you, if you freely give out things that you think are meaningful to folks, you never know where that might take it.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So slippers, socks, all kinds of things. We have so much still that we could probably cover, but unfortunately we are out of time. So I'm going to ask you my very last question for today. And I can't wait to hear this answer. If money and talent were of no object and you could do anything in the world except what you're doing now, what would you do?
2: I would be playing basketball, probably. I grew up playing basketball. I love the sport. I have definitely seen a lot of similarities in the idea of like coaching teams and and what I do in in my career. And I, I grew up sort of in that sports environment. So yeah, if talent weren't an issue, which is like probably the biggest hurdle for me to play basketball professionally, <laughs> um, beyond like height and other things, I would probably just want to, to do that. But again, like my real passion is teaching. So chances are I wouldn't really be able to play very long and I'd end up coaching, which is probably why I want to get into teaching marketing one day so much.
1: Yes, I love it. And, and actually, did you know that teaching is the number one answer I get on CMO Moves, which marketing and teaching, there's something there I'm telling you.
2: I think, I think you're right because a lot of it is telling stories about brands and about like stuff that's transpired and how to convince people that that's like the thing that they should be doing. But I also will say that you're talking to a lot of senior folks that have done a lot in their careers and you get to a point where there's only so much more you can get and you just want to give back and do a lot more. I fortunately found my like teaching bug earlier on and that's been like my driving motivation. But everyone i talked to, to your point, that's a CEO or CMO. They, they all want to go back and teach because they think they have something to provide, which I think they do as well. So it'll be great to see how many amazing teachers come out of the CMO Moves podcast.
1: Absolutely. Well, in fact, that's exactly why we launched masterclasses at Brand Week last year, and we're going to keep rolling them out. So more masterclasses coming, a playbook, all kinds of opportunities for you and your wonderful peers to share your great knowledge back with everyone. And I just can't thank you enough for being here. You've had such a cool career journey you know, sharing that cool career journey and your guidance and your wisdom for others. And I just love this idea of recognizing leaders who have inspired you and helped steer you along the way. That was a beautiful story, Nick. I I hope everybody follows in your footsteps, at least with that one for sure.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Great talking to you as always. Yeah, great talking to you. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day.
0: it.